so, but but it, it goes along with the idea of, of just how this very interesting building in a very southern state, in a very southern town, kind of creates, it, it kind of lends itself to the fantastical. To podcast through Clarksville with the Clarksville Montgomery County Public Library and in this podcast we're going to dig deeper into the places and sites featured in our walk through Clarksville video series. Today we are talking about the Customs House Museum and Cultural Center located at the corner of 2nd and Commerce Streets. My name is David and joining me today is Raymond Rosado. Hello. He is an icon in the library here among uh, among the other reference staff uh, as far as Clarksville history, genealogy, um, finding your ancestries, digging into your roots, all those things that you might want to learn and how to access that information. Raymond and the staff here are just amazing. He's the, the host of Walk Through Clarksville. You are very knowledgeable in a lot of Clarksville history. And so when, yes. in particular, uh, Customs House Museum, you, yes. you love this building. I do. And you're gonna tell us a little bit about why you love it so much. Um, but when we started the Walk Through Clarksville series, you said, okay, I'll do this on one condition. I wanna do the Customs House Museum first because yes. it's, I just love it so much. So tell us why you love it so much. Well, um, my father was in the army. My father um, would uh, get, you know, deployed somewhere else or move somewhere else. And starting when we were living in, living in D.C., um, after coming from Germany, we were living in D.C. And we would actually, um, one of the first things that we would do after we got our house and got situated, we would take a tour of the area where we lived in. And we would, he would note the historic buildings and things like that. We went from Washington, D.C. We live in Silver Spring, Maryland, just north of the district. And we would, uh, we moved again um, to San Antonio. And of course, we would go down the historic Alamo and see the areas and see the, the, the Hispanic missions and things like that. And then we come up to Clark, moved up to Clarksville. And all along, we would, we would see the historic buildings. We would get a tour. We'd get a feel of downtown. When we came to Clarksville in 1994, we were driving down 2nd Street and we noticed big gigantic courthouse, which is, oh wow, it's really nice, really, um, really great. The clock tower, the eagle, uh, Lady Justice with the scales and everything like that on the, on the roof there. And I looked to my right and I saw the customs house. I've, at the time, I've never really seen that style of architecture before. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's super unique. It is. Um, it's a Romanesque revival. It's a Bose kind of Bose kind of art style as well. The terracotta, the brick, the the slate for the roof, the eagles, the dormers, everything about it was very very unique. And I was like, oh wow, I've never seen that before. And when I started working at the library, we didn't really have much on it. So I said, okay, let's kind of dive in and dig in and and find out what the history is of this building. And indeed, it, it is very fascinating with it. Um, there's also um, not only the, the people involved, uh, the business involved, the federal government was involved because it's a federal building, but also there was a myth that kind of came along with it. Um, and that's really interesting too. It's like, oh wow, okay. So there's, there's a lot going on with this building. Yeah, so if you, if you don't know anything about the Customs House Museum, you can obviously go and, and watch our Walk Through Clarksville yeah. uh, video series on YouTube and, and get a really good understanding, enough to, enough to share with family members, enough to share with friends who are visiting maybe. Um, so let's, but let's dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. Um, let's kind of rewind the, the history of yeah. the Customs House Museum. And let's start from when, tell us a little bit about when there was absolutely nothing there. So like, how did it get to where it is today? 
the, there was a small organization called the Clarksville Business League, and it was spearheaded, really, um, by Wesley Drain. And there is a Drain Street in and around the Austin P campus. Mm-hmm. It's named after him. He had some property and some homes in New Providence as well, um, but he was a businessman, Wesley Drain was, for about 60-some-odd years, and he lived in Clarksville. He was from Clarksville. Um, and in fact, his daughter laid the cornerstone for the Customs House um, in 1897. Well, it was an empty lot. It was an empty lot. Sure. And um, it, it not only does it kind of sit in that same area, but um, across from the, the southern portion of the lot is where Samuel Hodges had his home. Um, Samuel Hodges was a, was a stonemason here in town. So it was an empty lot. They needed a, a bigger post office and a customs house because all the tobacco um, was going up and down the Cumberland. Cotton was the king product, and then tobacco was the queen product. That's why Clarksville, Tennessee is known as the Queen City. So where was the post office prior to building it, this one? If I remember correctly, it was in and around uh, the, the, the courthouse. Okay. So the courthouse served as a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. Um, our, our original library in the mm-hmm. basement, yeah. um, um, it, was, uh, it served as a, as a big meeting place for the community. Now, I will tease, our next podcast will be all about the courthouse. So yes. yes. Make sure that uh, listeners, make sure that you subscribe to our podcast and you can we can do some more uh, more some some digging into that. But go ahead, yes. I, I digress. So, but but uh, the so the Clarksville Business League petitions the federal government, and our representative at the time was Joseph Washington. So, Representative Washington um, petitioned and had a had a had a had a bill, and, and it went through. Um, and the bill was in 1893. Uh, Finally, funding goes through, and construction is about to begin. In early of eighteen, early early March of eighteen ninety four, but then tragedy struck. Excuse me, eighteen ninety three. Um, tragedy struck because of the panic of eighteen ninety three. So I'm gonna stop you right here because <laughs> I think this is where you came into my office uh, not too long ago, yeah. and when we were talking about this podcast. And I'm a huge Hamilton the musical fan, and so you came into my office and said, "Hey, guess what? Uh, there's a Hamilton is significant in the." Uh, the customs house construction, mm-hmm. yes. and you just like left. You didn't tell me. <laughs> so I'm thinking this is what you're talking about. Um, yes. So let's go ahead and finish that. Well, okay. So as we all know, um, Alexander Hamilton was the first treasurer of the United States. That's why he's on the $10 bill on the front. There's his portrait. And when you flip it over, there is a picture of the treasury because he was the first treasurer. Well, he had a good idea for the time. Um, in the, that 1789, 1790, right around there of backing the dollar, the US dollar, with either gold, or, or actually it was a combination of both. It was backed by gold and by silver. And so the ratio that the government, um, you could exchange monies at the treasuries for, was a ratio of one ounce of gold for 15 ounces of silver. That was on the federal, that's what they just kind of agreed to. The real market value, though, was 15 and a half. So if you brought in 15 ounces of silver, you could get more. You can get, you get more gold back. You can get more gold back, and so then you take the gold and then sell it again. You get 15 and a half ounces of silver instead of 15, mm. and you get the idea. So what ended up causing is from 1790 or so till almost yeah, almost about 1895, right around there, there was this battle between um, silverites and gold mine, goldites, individuals who said. The dollar should be backed by gold. No, it should be backed by silver. You get the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, some of those individuals that thought that the, the, the dollar should be backed by 
silver. They believe in inflation and government kind of tweaking and maneuvering and guiding, while those who thought more gold standard, they thought it should be at one price, no government involvement, you get the idea. And you kind of see how it kind of gets kind of topsy-turvy. Well, fast forwarding to probably early 18, or yeah, 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 about mid-1892, got all these wonderful dates in my head, there was a railroad company out west in the Oregon-Washington state area that collapsed. Back then, they didn't have cars, they didn't have taxis. Sure. So that was huge. That was a huge deal. That oh, would, yeah. That'd be the equivalent of, you know, of a major trucking company that just suddenly went bankrupt. And for example, oh, UPS, let's yes. just say they just up and closed shop. Just collapsed. The panic yep. that would cause uh, getting supplies. So go ahead. All, all the investors that would be attached to it, all the companies that are dependent upon it, all those companies that would have in this example of, of UPS having that exclusive contract with them, now they're you know, they're, they're done for, they're going to, they're going to either, they have to quickly scramble and do something else, but it's a little bit different back then because again, that was one big major railroad and that railroad was then attached to businesses. Those businesses were then attached to banks and then people, and then folks invested in that bank. They hear the rumors of, okay, there's this bank went under, that's not a big deal. But when, um, I think it was black Friday or so that's in and around that same time frame, the stock market crashed. Over 500 banks nationwide collapsed on in and around that time frame. So this is this this panic was a big deal. The panic sets through. It goes all the way from the from the West Coast all the way to the East Coast, affecting the federal government. And I and I initially wanted to give those dates of 1893 of Congressman Washington giving us and, and acquiring the funding for it and the construction of the building of the Customs House didn't start till September 3rd, September 30th of 1897. Mm. The groundbreaking, that's when the groundbreaking <laughs> was. So you have that almost almost four year gap of, of recovery, because it was a big deal. Um, if it wasn't for the man, um, a man by the name of John Piermont Morgan, as in J.P. Morgan and Chase, that guy, he bailed out the federal government in 1895, or in 1894, and in, eight, in 1907, um, in 1894, he, he and Grover Cleveland uh, kind of struck a deal of saying, loan us $10 million worth of gold. Because back then, the federal government yeah. was backed by gold. And they had this tradition and kind of like a semi-quasi kind of law of having $100 million worth of gold in the coffers for the federal government. Back then... If it could only go back in, back in time and do this, but the federal government was funded by two million dollars worth of, of, of funding. That's what was the annual budget for the government. It funded the Navy, the Army. You get the idea. Well, in one week's time, before Grover Cleveland and J.P. Morgan spoke and made that deal, the federal coffers went from about forty-eight million to about twenty-eight million to about ten million. All within a week's time, there was a there was a financial backer who had some gold um, from Europe, who had some gold in the Federal Reserve, and his note, and the money that was owed to him, the money that he invested that he wanted to recruit, was over ten million dollars. Mm -hmm. So, if that guy had gone through and J.P. Morgan and had spoke to him, because they, they knew each other, of course, all the sure. all the big ones yeah, know each other, then things changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> um, but. If he hadn't spoke to him, the federal government in 1894 would have been bankrupt mm. and would have been gone. gone. 
Um, so J.P. Morgan bails out the federal government. So over time, they, of course, pay back that money uh, to J.P. Morgan, but of course, the federal government gets back on their feet again. So groundbreaking, that, that's, that's how... That's how Alexander Hamilton with <laughs> I like the backing, it. yeah, I, know. I like it. <laughs> That's how Alexander Hamilton with the the idea of having a a gold and silver backing for the American dollar affected Caused the delay the, of the construction. Exactly. Now, in that four year time period of the construction, was yes. there was there talk that you know of of saying, okay, this isn't going to work, let's scratch it? Because obviously, just like today, anytime there's a major construction project, whether it's government or private, if if there's a delay, then the talk the people that were against it seemed to get louder. Was there talk of saying, just forget it, we were, we're happy with where we are, we don't need that? Not necessarily, no. Only because, only because what the largest producer of tobacco, of especially dark tobacco in the world, was Clarksville, Tennessee. There are some, on newspapers.com, I saw some articles from London Times um, and some European articles mm -hmm. mentioning Clarksville, Tennessee tobacco. So tobacco was a big deal here. On top of that as well, we needed a larger post office. Since about the 1890s, Clarksville, Tennessee has been the fifth largest city in Tennessee. And so we've kind of ebbed and flowed and, and competed with other, other cities, but primarily we've been the fifth largest city in Tennessee. So we needed a post office that could handle all the mail, all the, all the, all the, all the letters and things like that, and packages being, being delivered. Because back then, we, you know, if you wanted to correspond with somebody, you didn't, you know, you didn't tweet about it. You didn't put it on Facebook. Didn't, didn't text and yeah. you didn't text or call. You wrote a letter. Wrote a letter. Yep. So the like I mentioned before, the groundbreaking for the Customs House was September 30th of 1897. Um, in College Park, Maryland, there is a satellite for the National Archives. I was very lucky and I was able to visit it and gather some of this information, letters, pictures, things like that. And they actually had a photograph that someone had taken. A Clarksvillian, I think his last name was Zachary. I believe, yes, he was a photographer here in town. Um, and he had taken the picture and uh, kind of commemorated the groundbreaking. They had laid the brickwork for it and the bricks. Um, yeah, there's a unique story about where the bricks came from and, and who did that, right? They, I mean, it was a lot of it was local, Yes. right? So, so tell us a little bit more about that. All the brickwork that you see at the Customs House, all the red brick, um, either on the exterior or in the basement, um, where the, a lot of the, the kids' area in the train station is, that area is local. And it, it was by William Settle, W.A. Settle. He had a brick press off Spring Street, and he had his brick press area there, and those bricks were used in the construction. So as a reference to the listeners, what is there now? I believe, yes, very close, very near it is, I believe the animal shelter is mm -hmm, there. Okay. The, there is a scuba kind of shop, yep. a training area there. There is a the Sonic. That's more the, the northern portion of it. But that's the general area of, of his press. And so... So bricks were made there yes. and hauled up to yes. the site. Mm -hmm. Yes. That was all caused in regards to the local users, the local craftsmen. Three individuals that were involved with that. Wesley Drain, Charles Alonzo Moses, and um, David Ashbury Murphy. Those three men were instrumental in getting local support, local businesses to create um, the Customs House, to get the labor for it, to get the folks made. The, the wood from the interior of the Customs House is also local, but a lot of the craftsmen, um, some of them are from Chicago, LaGrange area, which is west of Chicago, which is where Charles Moses is from, mm -hmm. and uh, David Murphy. He was the superintendent of construction. So he's the guy that's making sure that 
the construction's getting here, the shipments are getting here, the um, and everything's going as smooth as possible. The cornerstone laying took um, November 6th of 1897, so about a month later, or a couple months later, so. Um, and it was done by Wesley Drain's daughter. She laid the corn, cornerstone laying, and of course they had the box um, full of uh, essentially like a time capsule. There was, uh, by, there was a Bible, there was uh, uh, playing cards, there was um, some of the little, like, little knickknacks. Is um, that but, stuff still there, do you know? I think a cornerstone box is still on the cornerstone oh, itself, wow. but I don't think it's ever been opened. Sure. I'm, I'm not sure if the customs house would ever... Would ever do that, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it's at the intersection of um, the, the corner of the, of the customs house that's nearest to the courthouse. So it actually has on the side, I believe, it actually has 1898, the year that the okay, customs house I'm, was Okay, I've seen that before, so okay. Yes. They have a band, it's a big fanfare, and there's a picture of it. Someone was able to take a picture of it from uh, um, the 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 roof of a, of a landing or of a, of a porch of Samuel Hodges's house so they take a north looking kind of picture and you see the the, the customs house the basement of it um, band members are sitting there's a big crowd you see the courthouse uh, you see a lot of great um, buildings that sadly don't exist anymore the uh, the the drain warehouse the Arlington Hotel the Arlington Hotels placard, big, gigantic, um, I think it's about... Oh, it's right across the street from the courthouse, yes, right? So yes. there's a parking lot there now. Yes. And that placard represents the site of the hotel, correct? Very close to it, so, yes. Oh, okay, yes. wow. Um, that hotel sadly is gone. Sure. Um, and there's a few other buildings that still exist. Well, uh, like the courthouse. And so that picture was there and there. They had a, it was a big to-do. They had a big ceremony and everybody was there. Um, uh, Judge Lurton, uh, L-U-R-T-O-N, Judge Lurton, he was a Supreme Court justice from Clarksville, Tennessee, and he and he gave a speech there as well. Congressman uh, Joseph Washington, and he was replaced by Wesley Gaines. Um, Wesley Gaines, of course, made sure that the rest of the construction kind of gone through. So, how long from from groundbreaking to it, it's open, the ribbon, ribbon cutting, if you will? Um, it was about, if I remember right, about so it was September of eighteen ninety seven to about October, November, early November of eighteen ninety eight, and but there was a slight delay as well, because there were two kind of means of thought. January of eighteen ninety eight, there was they were looking at the plan and it was available to the public, and publics kind of gave their opinions, their ideas, and there were two groups of thought. They had said, well, should a federal building be smaller? than a county building, because indeed it would be um, at the size now. The courthouse is um, from the bottom step of the lawn area where you mm-hmm. can actually walk to, uh, where we've had the readings of the Declaration yes. of Independence there. Uh, from there to the Eagle is about 150 feet. From the top stair of the Second Street uh, custom side stairs, a um, customs house, those top of the stairs, the top of the cupola, the really point on top is about 67 feet. So it, there was a big difference. Mm-hmm. And so they had a question about should it be a, sec- a second story? Um, and there was kind of two ideas. No, it's, it's, there's the state government, the city government, the individual is bigger and better than, sure. the, than the federal government. So that was the kind of arguments they had. They petitioned um, Congressman Gaines again to see and draw plans to get funding for a second story. And the second story would have looked like the first story, but of course, just on 
the, the, the roof would have been um, flatter. There wouldn't have been any dormers like there are now. That kind of kind of went to the wayside. So that was a delay in construction. Then the Spanish-American War happened. So this is from about a three-month war or so, from April of 1898 to about, um, about June of 1898. That Spanish-American War had happened and caused another delay in construction and receiving of, of items and things like that for the Customs House. But once the war was over, then, of course, construction kind of picked up again. Um, so those two delays in adding a second story and the Spanish-American War kind of, if, if those things had not happened, I'm sure it would have been done by, oh, good Lord, probably of August or <laughs> sure. of 1898. Sure. So, so construction's done, but I want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about the, the, the outside, like the design. Is there any part of it that wasn't there originally that has been added after, or is that the way it really looked? Other than the extra, the addition for the, the Museum and Cultural Center. The, the Customs House itself, the actual square building, and it's a 62 um, by 62 foot square. Um, that's the original building. It, there's some railings that kind of got deleted, got demolished over for the expansion that was done in 1994. The building itself, as it looks, for the most part, is original. The upper portion of the mail will be up there and it would be sorted and it would be kind of, kind of there would be chutes or yeah. something like that that would take, take it in baskets. The only available area to the public was off of the North 2nd Street side. And so you would come up the stairs, you would go in those really beautiful arches, and it would be a, that would be a teller. That would be the only available area to the public. Not today, of course, it serves as a, as a larger... Um... And they actually have an exhibit there of what yes. that area looked like. So you yes. could go and you can be, you can act as a a citizen coming into mm -hmm. mail, and you can see what that would have been like. You can also go behind the counter yes. and see what it was like to receive the mail. So mm -hmm. now, and if you're looking at this building, you're seeing some amazing sculptures. Yes, um, there's there's bronze bronze eagles. What's the story behind those? Uh, how and, and tell us a little bit about them. I know that there's there's they're really tall. Yes, even though you're looking from the street, you may not think so. When I went up to um, College Park, Maryland, to look at the architectural plan for the Custom House, and of course the Custom House itself has um, those plans as well. You can look at the diagram and see how tall those eagles are. They're five feet tall. Mm, they don't look five feet tall. Though, though, no, they don't. But at the very least, the plans that show that they're they're five feet tall. Uh, they have the, the eagle is there right in front, and there's a an, a shield, a triangle kind of shaped shield with thirteen stars and thirteen stripes there. Just denoting our American history, mm -hmm. our, our our founding of the original thirteen stars and stripes. Uh, there's four of them on the corners. Um, and that myth that I mentioned earlier was a lot of people thought in the 1930s that those eagles were dragons. They don't look anything like dragons. Well, to, to them, some reporter, he, he created this, this myth of it. It's, it's, it's really kind of cool. It's fake, kinda, fake news. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Well, uh, the, so the story goes is that the architect, David Murphy, went off and went from California to Japan to China. So he was in Hong Kong, visiting Hong Kong. He's a world-traveled man. And so somehow, some way, he befriends this Japanese maiden, or Chinese maiden, and she ends up being a princess of some kind, of some, some kind of capacity there. Well, he ends up getting in trouble with the law and gets put in jail. So, <laughs> so this Chinese princess gives him food and water, and eventually they hack a plan for him to escape. And they, this is the architect. This is the architect. Wow. 
And so the architect, David Murphy, goes and finally escapes with her help and makes his way back to the United States and becomes an architect and then designs this building in her honor. Sadly, none of that is true. Oh, that's a bummer. Uh, yes, That'd yes. make a good movie, a good, a good musical. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, on the level of Hamilton, I'm sure. But the architect was a man by the name of William Martin Aiken. So how did that even... Exactly. I have no idea. I have no idea because it just appears in a 1932 uh, Leaf Chronicle article. It, it had everything to do with the sesquicentennial, the 150th anniversary of, of Clarksville. So they're kind of gearing up for that. And they want to talk about some of the historic buildings in downtown. So somebody made this up. So David Murphy was the superintendent of construction. He was originally from Ohio, a Civil War veteran. Uh, he, he retired as a captain and became a superintendent with the Treasury Department because back then the Treasury Department was the one that took the monies and then divvied it out to customs houses or federal buildings. He'd never left the country. <laughs> David Murphy did. William Martin Aiken, the architect, who served as supervising architect from 1894 to, excuse me, 1892 to 1896, right around there, uh, or 95, excuse me, he had left the country but he went the other way. He went to Europe. Um, there, the University of, of, of Riley, they have beautiful examples of his drawings and sketches. And he has several of um, some gargoyles of some, The Last Supper, he has, took, a, took, a, took a sketch of that. Um, and he had some a lot of sunset images of, of Venice and of Italy. So we know definitely that he was in, 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 in fact, I've seen his passport too. It actually says that he went to Italy and interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. That's all, by the way, on Ancestry, which is fantastic that it's on there. I'm like, oh, wow, this is great. And so it, just that kind of, like, concoction, uh, it, it's really, really interesting just how, like, why would you create this? But they did. It's got, it's, so. and, and the building has such a unique story itself. It, it does. Why would you need to create a, a whole other narrative? It, it, exactly. So, But, but it, it goes along with the idea of, of just how this very interesting building in a very southern state, in a very southern town, kind of creates, a, it kind of lends itself to the fantastical. Because you see these four gargoyles, um, there are 20 dormers, it has a couple up top. And it does look, I mean, it, it gives you, you yeah. know, I've seen photos of like of it at night, and yes. it does have a, a very um, ominous look. It has a, it has a, it has a look that there is a story behind it. Yes. Um, and um, I don't know if that was on purpose, but it does look like it lends itself to some some great stories. Yes, William Martin Aiken um, was originally from from South Carolina. Yes, South Carolina, and he moved up to New York. He got um, he went to Swanee University and got his architectural degree. Then um, became an engineer and also an architect as well. And he designed a plethora of buildings. He was also involved in the um, Tennessee Centennial. He was pivotal in, in, in going to the Nashville public and saying, what kind of building would you be interested in? So Nashville is known as the Athens mm -hmm. of the South. That's why there's a Parthenon of their, um, that's why there's a, a statue of Athena, Athens, Athena, if you get the idea, um, in the Parthenon there. But he was pivotal in creating and getting that established as well. Hmm. Um, and so it's, it's really funny, just the, these, these, these men have a lot of connections um, who were involved with the Customs House, have a lot of connections with Clarksville, Tennessee. In 1901, the courthouse burned. The contractor for the reconstruction of our courthouse 
was Charles Moses from LaGrange, Illinois, who was instrumental in constructing our customs house. So he established a really good rapport and relationship with um, Judge Tyler, which of course he was, he's a big influencer and big mover here in Clarksville. Um, so much so that the clock tower, again, I'm going off a tangent here, but okay. the clock tower um, was known as Judge Tyler's watch. And Judge Tyler was the founder of the Clarksville Public Library. Yep. Without him, we would not be here. Yeah. So, a, okay, so it's obviously, it's obviously not a customs house anymore. No. We have uh, post offices all over town. Yes. Um, when did it stop being a post office? How did it get to where it is today, a museum and cultural center? Because of our growth, economically speaking, and just, just all this growth and industry coming through because of the LNN Railroad, Louisville National Railroad, the income and money going in and out of Clarksville, it soon became too small. Our customs house post office became too small. In 1935, there was the beginnings of the construction of our new post office, which is heading, um, when you're on 2nd Street, it's further down. It's right across the commons now, right across the street then, or, or near it. Um, that, that post office was built in 1936 and finished. That, the customs house laid vacant for about a year or so and became our new Department of Electricity. Hmm. There are pictures, um, you can find them on the Library of Congress website, and it shows the Customs House, the original 1898 building, and on the side of it, it says Electric Department with an arrow pointing in, and of course at night it, it illuminates wow, and lights up. that'd yeah. be so neat if that sign was still around. It was the Electric Department for almost 30 some odd years, to about eight, 1982, Clarksville needed a museum. Clarksville needed a place to showcase its history. Um, with, with Ursula Beach, not Ursula Beach, with Ursula Beach, the county historian at the time, uh, with a lot of uh, local support, commissioner and city and, and mayoral support, we, they, they were able to get the Customs House as the Clarksville Museum um, in 1984. They opened, I believe, in September of, of or June, excuse me, of 84. And it, it's been the museum ever since. And so it, it's been this kind of like icon, uh, Rivers and Spires, it's one of the spires, you get the idea. Big, fantastic, beautiful building. I love this building a lot. Yeah, and, um, and the, the, cultural, the Museum and Cultural Center now, today, they're, they're continuing to do amazing things you know, with exhibits and renovations and remodels. And definitely check it out if you're, if you're new to Clarksville or you've been here for years, you know, like you have or I have. Yeah. Um, it's still a, a unique place to visit oh, every indeed, single yeah. time. Oh yeah, and it's it's a great building to visit. My my kids, my son in particular, my son Julian, loves the model train section. Yes, um, and so he'll push the buttons. He'll watch the trains go around. We were lucky enough one Sunday because um, we'll we'll make it for for the Sunday openings, and he was actually able to have the conductor and actually he actually pulled the levers and mm -hmm. made several trains nice. go. And so yeah, yeah, he had a great time yeah. with it. Uh, that was a couple of years back, but my kids love it and. We need to go. They don't refer to it as a customs house. They call it. <laughs> Can we go to the train museum? Like, train it's museum. not the train museum. It's not the train museum, son. It's the <laughs> customs house. Uh, again, if if you haven't been to the museum in a while, um, you know, go. be sure to check it's it out. Phenomenal. Yeah. I love that building. It's, yeah. it's my favorite building. I I I live in Aaron, and so I'll I'll take kind of the back ways and come up through downtown just so I can take a peek at it yeah. when I drive by. Yeah, I knew you loved this building and I and I knew that um, you'd have a lot to, of great things to say. As we've said before, you know, every inch of Clarksville has a story to tell. Yep. 
and in, in the, the Customs House and Museum that is in the Cultural Center isn't any exception, of course. Now, if, if somebody wanted to learn some more about uh, the Customs House and Museum and Cultural Center, they can, they can obviously go to the museum, uh, yes. go to their website, but yes. they can also come here. And what can they learn? If coming here, what materials can we provide them? Well, we are very fortunate, fortunate to subscribe to uh, newspapers.com. And so newspapers.com has the late chronicle in the pivotal years of its construction from 1897 to 1898. And you can actually read the articles. You can read the, the groundbreaking ceremony. You can read about the cornerstone laying ceremony. You can read about the um, opening ceremonies all within the, in its full script because of the, the messages provided by either by Judge Lurton or by Sam Wesley or Wesley Gaines or um, by David Murphy. David Murphy, the superintendent of construction, he was a poet. And so there would be random, uh, just on random days, but, but these poems written by him would be peppered throughout the New Leaf Chronicle. Mm. Um, and so he, uh, those, the, the folks involved with, the, with his construction are just peppered throughout the Leaf Chronicle from 1897 to 1898. Well, Raymond, that was great. And I, I thank you so much for sitting down uh, and talking and digging a little bit more into um, into the Customs House Museum and Cultural Center. Um, again, you can always visit, listeners, you can always visit our, our YouTube channel uh, where you, you're going to see our Walkthrough Clarksville video series. Um, and we've got, so far we've done, um, well, we've done a lot. We've done yes, a lot in Clarksville. <laughs> uh, and we are continuing, we, we welcome and encourage your questions about um, things in Clarksville that you've seen, buildings that you may be curious about, street names, statues that you've been curious about and we Raymond for sure and and I'm sort of a geek too but not as not as geeky as Raymond not as knowledgeable as Raymond but uh, I we would love to dig deeper and and figure out what uh, what's going on in the history of that particular area uh, so again um, thank you for joining us for podcast through Clarksville and we hope that you can uh, take a look at our videos on YouTube and, and learn some more about Clarksville. Right. thank you for having me